all stand and sing our song of praise. He is exalted. So much. Be seated if you will, and we welcome each and every one present today as we worship the Lord together and, and uh, spirit and in truth. And so today is a, a day in which we uh, recognize the, the goodness and the glory of God, and kind of what our theme is about today in worship. And we welcome those who are tuning in uh, live with us from live streaming. And so we're glad you're staying with us and uh, participating with us. And of course, we open the door to you to come in and visit with us at any time for those who are, are off in other areas and tuning in when you're in the area we invite you to be a part with us as well and so hope trust everything is good everybody's happy life is good and, and uh, you're doing well uh, just uh, just a moment of prayer together and we realize and I know there's a lot of a lot of needs that we have in our, our community uh, and that sort of thing and and we recognize the fact that that the Lord knows all those things. And so I know you have some unspoken requests. And, and so just, just trust that request to God and, and let him handle it. Uh, he's a big boy. He can do it. And uh, he can take care of it. So let's pray together. Father, we, we thank you that you give us opportunity this morning to worship together in spirit and in truth and to exalt your name and, and to recognize that, that in that praise and and in that praise, we, we know that you inhabit that praise and thanksgiving. And may each of us, as our hearts are refreshed, our hearts are steadfast upon you, and our mind is clear, that we focus on your goodness and your greatness and to recognize that you are a God in control. And we want to thank you for being our Father and our friend, being our provider. And uh, may we become still on the inside and allow the distractions of our life to just dissipate so that we can see your face uh, in a clearer way today. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. God is good. 
Follow that, boy. That's wonderful. That's a good deal. Well, you know, uh, today I want to talk to you about uh, glorifying God. And, you know, I think each of us have in our mind probably what that understanding of glorifying God is all about. And, you know, it all comes down, boils down to uh, one thing, and it's our lives in line and in match. Uh, to the will and the life of God. And when that happens, glorification is there for uh, the Lord. But yet at the same time, you have to think in a sense, sanctification, all sorts of things, and, and your lives, my life and your life has to match in line uh, with the Scripture. 
In Psalm 65 is the text this morning, and I'm going to look at some other passages of Scripture in John 17, where Jesus prays a prayer. Also, we're going to be looking at a, a couple of verses in Titus and 2 Corinthians, as well as Philippians. And we'll make mention of those as we get to each of those passages. And looking at Psalm 65, and it is in many, many translations may be titled as God's care for the earth. And in beginning in verse 1 of Psalm 65, it says this, Praise is rightfully yours, God, in Zion. Vows to you will be fulfilled. And then it goes on to say, all humanity will come to you, the one who hears prayer. Iniquities overwhelm me, only you can atone for our rebellion. How happy is the one you choose and bring near to live in your courts. We will be satisfied with the goodness of your house, the holiness of your temple. Your answer is in righteousness with all inspiring works. God of our salvation, the hope of all the ends of the earth and all the distant seas. You established the mountains by your power, robed with strength. You silenced the roar of the seas, the roar of their waves, the turmoil of the nations. Those who live far away are awed by your signs, you make east and west shout for joy. You visit the earth and water abundantly, enriching it greatly. God's stream is filled with water, for you prepare the earth in this way, providing people with grain. You soften it with showers and bless its growth, soaking its furrows and leveling its ridges. You crown the year with your goodness. Your ways overflow with plenty. The wilderness pastures overflow, and the hills are robed with joy. The pastures are clothed with flocks, the valleys covered with grain. They shout in triumph, indeed, they sing. Isn't that a powerful passage of Scripture of praise? Recognizing all that God has put in place, and there is nothing away from His reach, and that even the rains that fall from the sky are the blessings the grain that we eat are blessing, even the pastures, the animals, the hills, the majestic of all that's created, all goes back and gives God praise. But yet when you look at the beginning part of that psalm, it speaks about righteousness and iniquity. And two things come into mind when we're talking about glorifying God. Now, if you had the power to say to me, Benji, it doesn't matter what you think and what you say and what you do. It's going to always be righteous. If you had the power to do that, what kind of glory would that bring? Well, unfortunately, we do not have that type of power, and we're trapped in the old nature in which we have, and we're constantly battling the temptations and the things of our life that we're constantly having to choose right or wrong, yes or no. But yet we realize that all righteousness rests in God's hands. And the iniquities that are in our life, the sin that is in our life, God handles it. 
Well, if God says to you, you are free, you are forgiven, you are healed, live life in that healing, in that restoration. Well, if you've committed your life to Him, then you have and you are. And all praise and glory goes to God because He's the God of righteousness and we are not. And He can take the, the, the wretchedness of our life and clean us up. And He can take all of the circumstances around us and make it new again. He can take the old and make it new. He can take, take the sin and remove it as far as the east is from the west. And He can take the dirtiness and the darkness of our life and bring light and bring white clean all over again. When you look at this psalm, this psalm is about a God who is control of the world. I love the phrase or the, the verse that speaks about that you, you, you bring near to live in your courts. Now, you've got to keep in mind the earthly picture of a king has a castle or some type of palace. And those who are in the castle or the palace are only in there as invited guests. And once you're inside the palace, you must adhere to the, the rules and the regulations that are set forth by the king of the palace. And so therefore, to come into the palace and to live in its courts, you are making an agreement with the king of the palace that I'm going to do what I can on my part to live in the righteousness and represent your holiness inside that court. Well, the great thing about this is God has given us a palace in which we live. The world in which He's created, as majestic as it is. And we are all invited into this court. And every day, we are to be subject to the King. The King in all His holiness and in all His righteousness. Why? Because He grants to us grace he grants to us goodness. He grants to us mercy. He grants to us kindness. And He removes the sin as far as the east is from the west so that we can stand before Him and realize that we, can, we are entering into His holiness. All praise and glory go to God. Now, again, when you think of God's holiness and majesty... And His glory, it is beyond our human comprehension. It is beyond what we could picture in our mind. But if it's so far removed, then why is it mentioned in Scripture that we are to bring Him glory? It's not as far as removed as you and I may think. Now, His holiness is magnificent. His majestic nature is is beyond comprehension. The, the picture of who God is cannot be fathomed in our mind. I know that. But yet the glory in which you and I can give to God on an everyday basis is achievable. We can accomplish that. We can do that. And one of the best ways is when you and I confess our life before Him 
and we stand in his righteousness and stand in his holiness, we realize that we're only permitted to do so because of his graciousness, the graciousness of the king who allows us to live in his court. The holiness of God. So let's look at a message this morning on a couple of things. Really just three things I want us to think about. And what can this psalm teach us? And there are three things that jump off from the page. There's many more within that that we could chase and follow and, and, and dream about and, and conversate about and reason about. But there's three that just kind of jump off the pages at me as we look at this message and it's in the first four verses of Psalm 65 that I read just a moment ago. And first of all is the reliance on the grace of God. Relying on the grace of God. Now when you, if you took those four verses and pulled them out of that psalm and you see what, what is there within that, you realize that it is grace that allows us to be in His court it is grace that frees us and, and He takes care of the iniquities that overwhelm us. Now, I know that there are times where you probably looked at the mirror and you saw yourself and you said, I like you today. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're fun to be with. I like what I see. And then there are times you look at the mirror and you think, I don't know if I want to look into your eyes today because you know what you've done and you know what you've had to deal with. You know what's within you. And yet every day it is all about God's grace. It is God's grace that allows us to look into the mirror and say, I like what God has created. I like what God has done with this junk of my life. I like what He has given me of, over and above what I could ever imagine or think. That he could take the non-talented, shy person and he can clean that person up and give him a platform to speak and be his ambassador in everyday life. When I was a young little boy, um, I could not stand to be in a group of people. I was that shy. And if someone come up to me and, and wanted to hug me, you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm like a, a scared animal who wants to run and hide. And, and if God can take a shy little boy who had really no self-image concept of his own self-image and give me a platform to speak on because even in large crowds today, I'm still uncomfortable. I fight against that natural tendency to want to hide in a corner. And if God can take that and, and, and your life and multiply it even more so, isn't it all because of His grace that that comes about? Now, there's a, a, a verse of Scripture in Titus uh, chapter 3, verse 7. In Titus chapter 3, verse 7, and I'm going to read back. Just I'm going to go ahead and begin 
at verse 4 to kind of read it in its context. But when the goodness and the love for man appeared from God our Savior, He saved us not by works of righteousness that we have done, but according to His mercy through the washing of regeneration and the renewal by the Holy Spirit. This Spirit He poured out on us abundantly through Christ Jesus our Savior, so that having been justified by His grace, we may become heirs with the hope of eternal life. Now, looking at what the importance of God's work in the life of the believer based on that verse of Scripture, it has nothing to do with our accomplishments. It has all to do with the mercy and the grace of God outpoured upon us through His Holy Spirit that grants to us salvation, that gives us life in abundance, and supplies us with an ample amount of hope in God. That's the grace of God at work. That's when a person comes to God and says, God, I can't handle my life. I need something supernatural in my life. I need something beyond myself. I need something that's out there in the world, even though we met the time, may not understand it. We need the invisible to happen to the visible. And when we make that submission and we cry out to God and we say, Abba, Father, here I, here I am, use me. Here I am as I submit my life to you then God, God says, I've got you right where I've been wanting you to be in a very submissive, humble state. And I'm going to take the brokenness of your life and I'm going to put the pieces of that puzzle back together and I'm going to supply your, your request and I'm going to breathe life into you. I'm going to regenerate you and I'm going to renew you and I'm going to make you a brand new person all because of the powerfulness, the unstoppableness of His grace. Powerful grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wrench like me. The free gift of God's grace is so amazing. Forgiveness and cleansing cannot be purchased, nor can it be earned. They are free gifts of God's grace to us, free gifts from God, which is His grace to us. You know, you've often heard that there's really nothing free in the world, and if they say it's free, you better watch out what it's going to cost you. Well, guys, God's grace is free, and it's not going to cost you anything except the joyfulness of wanting and having passion and in love with God that you submit your life to Him with all of your being because out of your your gratitude and out of praise and to bring glory to God, you say, you have given me this and the least I can do is to give you my life from here on out. And we live for Him and we focus on Him all because of that grace of God. Grace is amazing. Grace is powerful. God doesn't always give us an easy answer but he does supply us with the grace that we need. The Apostle Paul received sufficient grace for his thorn in the flesh. 
that's recorded in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. And in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, and I'm going to read back a little bit as well just to keep it in its context. And he goes on to say, Therefore, in verse 7, Therefore, so that I would not exalt myself, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to torment, torment me, so I would not exalt myself. Concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times to take it away from me. But he says to me, or he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weakness so that Christ's power may reside in me. Again, you get the picture? It has nothing to do with Paul. Paul makes his request and he says, I'm having difficulty living with this that you've allowed to come into my life. And on three occasions, he requested of God, remove this thorn in my flesh. Whatever that is, and many theologians have debated as to what that thorn is, and we won't get into that, but it obviously was something that Paul wished he didn't have. But he also recognized that God allowed it to stay there so that when he looks into the mirror, it reminds him that he's still wretched, he's still dependent on something beyond himself, he needs the invisible to invade his visible and to change him every day. And God's response was, my grace is sufficient for your need. My power is perfected in your weakness. And as long as you don't exalt yourself and you exalt me, you're going to understand the powerfulness of the grace of God. You're going to be more appreciative of the grace of God. You're going to be more dependent upon the grace of God and the power will be perfected in you beyond measure. That's grace. Now go back to Psalm 65, verse 3. Iniquities overwhelm me. Only you can atone for our rebellions. So you look at that, it's, it's basically saying, God, I recognize the sin of my life, and only you can deal with it. And only you can make things right. Righteousness is, is, your praise is rightfully yours, the psalmist begins. The praise is rightfully yours. And when you and I look into the mirror and we finally get the aha moment, I am saved by the grace of God. I am a new person by the grace of God. I have been regenerated by the grace of God. I have been, I have been empowered by the Spirit of God even though there are things in my life that I wish were removed, I realize that God's grace is sufficient for my every need. Praise is rightfully yours, O Lord, as I recognize that only you can atone for my life. Thank you, God. So the reliance upon the grace of God, when we are relying upon that grace and we recognize that the grace is there because of God's free favor, not earned, cannot be manipulated, cannot be bought. It is there because God says, you've given me your life and I'm empowering you with this powerful grace from here on out.
then, at that point, we're glorifying God. We're lifting Him up above all else. And we're giving Him everything that's rightfully His. And that is praise. If I step much closer to that candle, I'm going to burn up. If you smell something, it was my hair on my arms. The second thing I want to bring up is to, is to recognize, based on this scripture, to recognize the greatness of God. So not only relying upon the grace of God, now it's the recognition, based on this psalm, of the greatness of God. And back in verse 5 through 8, and I just remind you, it says, Your answer is in righteousness with all inspiring works. God of our salvation, the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the distant seas. You established the mountains by your power, robed with strength. You silenced the roar of the seas and the roar of their waves and the turmoil of the nations. Those who live far away are awed by your signs. You make the east and the west shout with joy. It's recognizing that God is revered in all parts of the land. It could be as far as the east is from the west. It can be as, as, as deep as the seas or as high as the mountains. God is revered and people are taking notice of the greatness of God. The greatness of God, you established the mountains by your power and has robed it with strength. Some may fail to recognize the greatness of God. They may go about life and not realize how great God is. But the believers, the church, you and I, all, all of us who've committed our life to Him recognize that, that we can see the greatness of God all because of the grace of God. God's natural attributes, His omniscience, Him knowing all things and understanding all things of our life. And it's comforting to know that He knows all about you and he, all about me, and He doesn't run. He doesn't take a vacation. He doesn't quarantine Himself from us. Instead, He knows us. He has perfect knowledge of us. And he understands all things. Does that sound like a familiar psalm? What comes to mind? Psalm 139, doesn't it? As you know, the fact that God is all-knowing, he knows all things. And in Psalm 139, listen to what, how it begins and, and what the psalmist says, Lord, you have searched me and you have known me. You you know when I sit down. You know when I stand up. You understand my thoughts. You observe my travels. You're aware of all my ways. For a word is spoken, you know it. You've encircled me. You've placed me in your hand. Extraordinary knowledge beyond me. It's lofty. I'm unable to reach it. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in shale, you're there. If I live in the eastern horizon, you're there. In the western limits, even your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold me. Surely darkness will hide me. The light around me will become night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like the day. Darkness and light are, darkness and light are a light to you. Isn't that powerful? God knows all things about us. And he still wants to be our father. 
He still wants to be involved in your life and mine. He knows sometimes when we get so mad we want to kick a hole in the wall. Or he knows when we're so aggravated we want to cut that person off in line like they cut us off. Or we want to steal the parking place from the one that stole it from us. Or we want to grab the last can of Lysol when someone else grabbed it. Whatever it is, we, we under, God knows all those things. And he still wants to be our father. He still wants to be great as he is in our life. The greatness of God is beyond measure. The mountains roar with praise. The seas roar with praise. The rains that fall, the grain that's given, all that is the recognition of the greatness of God, and he knows all things. But not only that he knows all things, he's all present. It doesn't matter where we are. When we're at the sweatiest moment of our life, and we're the thirstiest of our life, when we're robed in great attire, when we're walking down the wedding, wedding aisle, or we're hiding in the bushes. Excuse me, God is there. God is there, and His presence is with us. And even when we have bad breath and bedhead, God's ready to see us and talk with us. He wants to be our Father, even when He sees everything about us. He sees us when we're clothed. He sees us when we're naked. He sees us in all our array. He sees us in all our attitudes and actions. And yet he wants to still be our Father. The greatness of God is beyond, in my opinion, beyond description. These scriptures, and there's many, many more that speak of the greatness of God. And, and that greatness, I think, is limited in human terms, it's be that and more than what can be described. And then his omnipotence, that he can do all things because he's all-powerful. If you're at a weak moment of your life, remember this, and you're crying out to God, and you're saying, Abba, Father, this is what I'm dealing with today, and, and, and this is my life. And, and the God who created the world is listening to your prayer. And he can answer that. And he can deal with that. If he's created all the mountains and all the seas, don't you think he can handle that one little request? He's all-powerful. He, all power rests in him. In fact, it's Paul who said, you know, you allowed this thorn to stay in my life and your grace is sufficient for me and your power is perfected in my weakness. Maybe during that time of our uh, prayer life, we might be at a weak moment where we're crying out to God. But remember, it is in that weak moment that his power is manifested in its truest sense. When we are not exalting ourselves, and we're exalting him, his power is made readily, is, is, is more freer to flow through and to us because we're focused on him and not us. That's what Paul says. You left this thorn in my life to teach me a lesson. It's to keep me reminded that I'm not to exalt myself, that I realize who's in control and who has all the power, and it's not me, as Apostle Paul says. It is you. So we rely on the grace of God and we recognize the greatness of God. And third of all and last is this. 
is that we rejoice in the goodness of God. As the song began a few moments ago about the goodness of God, God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. Either way you construct that sentence, His goodness is there. And regardless of how bad we are, God's goodness will remain. As much as we focus on the bad of the world, God's goodness remains. You can focus on the negative, you can focus on the calamity, you can focus on the, tri the trials, the tribulations, you can focus on all that trouble. But regardless of how difficult the trial and trouble and calamity is or the turmoil is, it still remains. God's goodness is still steadfast in the midst of how difficult life could be. I marvel at those who get caught up in all of the negativism that surround us. And it's so refreshing when all of a sudden they have the aha moment and realize that God is the God over that negative. He's a God in His goodness and His grace and His greatness that is in control of our life. God's goodness, and we must rejoice in that goodness. The psalmist says in verse 12 and 13, the latter part of that psalm of 65, the pastures are clothed with flocks and the valleys covered with grain. They shout with joy indeed and they sing. Have you ever stood at the base of a mountain by yourself and just looked? Or stood at the ocean, the ocean um, sea and, and just, just with nothing else around you? No swimmers, no surfers, nothing in front of you. And just watch the endless flow of that ocean. If you want to get a perspective of how small we are <laughs> and how large God is, then go stand at the base of the mountain and get ready to hike it or jump into the ocean and swim to the other side. <laughs> You'll realize how vast God is and His goodness abounds beyond measure. The goodness of God is remarkable. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, My God will supply all your needs according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And as we look at, the, at our life in comparison of what, what the view is, and what we're anticipating, we got to remember that God's supply is there, is readily available to give to us, to supply all our needs according to His riches in glory. We stand in the court of the King of Almighty God. He owns everything. We stand there before Him totally stripped down in our attitude, actions in our life and we look towards the king and we ask the king, God, king, will you grant to me this request? And he says, it is with gladness and with my majesty and all of my holiness, all of my righteousness, I give to you from the goodness of my heart and I give to you all that's needed and my grace is sufficient and it is beyond riches that you can imagine and the riches I provide is going to supply your every need. That's the goodness of God. The grace of God is that which we rely on. 
We must recognize every day the, the greatness of God and we must rejoice in the goodness of God, that God is good all the time. Failure to praise the Lord and failure to rejoice in His goodness indicates, unfortunately, will indicate a selfish life. It means that we're more focused upon us and less upon Him. God forgives and He cleanses those who come to Him. He heals the afflicted. He comforts those that are bereaved. He lifts up the falling and He loves the unlovable. God is greatly as great as He can be and He greatly loves us and He gives all that He can to us so that we can have life. Isn't that what John 3.16 says? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in that Son of His, whoever places their life into that Son's hands because He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the bread of life. He is the door. He is the vine. He is everything. He's the Prince of Peace. He is all that we need. And those who place their life into my Son's hand shall have eternal life. Powerful, isn't it? The goodness of God. And we rejoice in that goodness. Never forget the grace of God at work in your life. Never forget the greatness of God all around you. And never forget your journey in the midst of all the goodness God gives to you. This Psalm 65 points us to that grace and greatness and goodness. So let me ask you this question. Probably could have asked you this question to start you off, but let me end it with it. What is your view of God today? What is your view of God? Now, if you come into this building and you had a certain view, I trust that as you leave, you have a more ample view or a reminder of what your view should be. I think it has something to do with grace, greatness, and goodness. And if we focus on those three things, we will see God as who He is, that He is all-present, that He is all-knowing, He's omnipotent, omniscient. He's there, and He's all around us. Thanks be unto God for the powerfulness of who He is. And thanks be unto God for the greatness of who He is and the goodness that He bestows upon us and the grace that sustains us in life. You know, when you go back to the prayer that Jesus prayed in Matthew and you begin to dissect that Lord's Prayer, you'll see three things in that prayer. And we're going to pray that together in just a moment. And you will hear the grace of God in that prayer. As we pray to God, you're praying for grace. You're praying for goodness to be recognized and you're praying for the greatness of God. That one prayer has all three of those components in it. Let's pray together that prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. 
And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Is our God. 